I'm James Hayes and you're very welcome to episode 6 of the Sideline Cut podcast. On this week's show, we talk about the mid-season break in the Premier League and whether Jurgen Klopp was right or wrong to not turn up to the FA Cup replay with Shrewsbury. Talk about the National League in hurling and football. Um, we will also be looking at last weekend's Six Nations. Joe will be here with another historic sporting tale. Dylan will test our sporting knowledge with this week's Bamboozled. We'll finish with Take 5, where you get the chance to take on our experts in our weekly prediction competition. Remember, as always, you can check us out across all our social media, at sideline underscore cut on Twitter and Instagram, and at the sideline cut on Facebook. You can also email us with any queries or questions or topics you'd want us to talk about on sport at the sideline cut.com. How are you, lads? Well, James, how's things? Not too bad, no. Good stuff, good stuff. Suppose we go straight into it. Mid-season break, Premier League. What are we thinking? Yeah, got a lot of attention there with um, Liverpool being landed with an FA Cup replay in the middle of their supposed winter break and Jorgen Klopp decided he was going to stick with the winter break and send his players and take himself all away on a holiday. Individual holidays, not all together. Yeah, I think, I think it got probably more, um, more talk because of James Milner turning up and doing what he did rather than Jorgen missing it for a finish. Yeah, in a way, but that's James Milner. He's yeah, a king, Milner, isn't he? Like he's Milner, just the ultimate professional. Yeah, it just lives up to his reputation I, I, there. I love the story coming out about it. He, he rang up Critchley, the, the under-23 manager, and goes, look, do you mind if I, I train with the lads today? And do you mind if I turn up tomorrow night and kind of be around? And oh, yeah, Critch- he asked permission. Yeah, Critchley's kind of going, James, do what you want. Yeah. Like, we'd be delighted to have you, you know? Um, yeah, it, it kind of begs the question, because... Klopp was kind of caught between a rock and a hard place in a way because the Premier League obviously wrote to all the teams when this was planned last summer and asked them all to respect the winter break not to be going playing friendlies during it or be going for warm weather training camps which some of them would have and to respect the break and the FA the FA even went as far as to change the fifth round so that there's no replays and right. they never did it with the fourth round Sure, like typical FA. I mean, like let's just take a look at the amount of Premier League team teams involved. You had, you had Liverpool, you had Newcastle. Um, last night, then you had Spurs played Southampton. Was that it? I think four of them. Yeah, I think so. That was all the major ones. But it's the teams playing in Europe. So you're looking at Liverpool and Tottenham out of those ones. Like yeah. they have midweek games as well. Like already saw with Liverpool the barely farcical situation back in. December when with they had the, to play two games in 24 yeah. hours on nearly opposite sides of the world yeah but it, like so if Jurgen Klopp and I'm not saying he's right or wrong yet we'll, we'll have that argument but if Jurgen Klopp decided I'm going to stick with what the FA asked us to do take the week off go and do it we're going to let the under 23s play yeah did Steve Bruce at Newcastle Jose Mourinho at um, at Spurs and the manager of Southampton escapes me right now Ralph Hasselhoff like did all three of those then leave Jurgen Klopp down and leave themselves down by disobeying for FA orders? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, but the the way the mid-season break is working is there's two weeks of it. Mm. So you're either in week one for your break or week two. And that's why we were looking at Premier League fixtures coming up. There's only four this weekend. There's six next weekend. So that there's always football on so they're not using out on TV money. Um... So I think I think a lot of Klopp not turning up was kind of to stick up a finger at the FA. Why and ta- it's, why it's why turned around. A break? Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, the man probably does need a break a little bit. Like, 
I can't imagine him sitting there not thinking about the next games and how the season's going to play out. Yeah. I can't imagine he's just switched off completely. I feel like he's I think a I, bit football obsessed anyway. He's probably sitting there going through formations and tactical changes for the next few weeks. Yeah, I think I think it's funny the four teams that were involved were four teams that were actually on their mid-season break or mid-season break. Yeah. Like none of them have a game this weekend yeah. which kind of defeats the purpose. Um I personally have no problem with Klopp taking the week off. I mean, Liverpool have had a long season. They're unbeaten. They're flying the flag for Premiership football in Europe, in the world. You know, like there's a chance they could go the rest of the season unbeaten. Putting out your under twenty three side, not the worst idea in the world. Give your players the break. They're going to come back in. Like now that they're gone through, I know that there's another fixture mess up. When I think it's the Liverpool Crystal Palace game is going to have to be refixed because around five. So that gives them Chelsea away in the cup in the next round. Yeah, though. and then that gives them another midweek game. So now it looks like an even better cho- choice by by Klopp to take the week off and make his players take the week off. And you know, yeah, there is also the argument that should he have played some like he has a few players coming back from injury, some who probably need some minutes. The likes of Lalana, you're having Fabinho's only coming back mm-hmm. in. He looks a little rusty in his last game. It meant an awful lot to those younger players. You see the celebrations at the end of the game was and sensational. Like they were, especially the way it was a sellout crowd at Anfield. Like yeah, those kids get. I mean, Curtis Jones getting to captain Liverpool for a sellout crowd at Anfield at nineteen years of age. Yeah, youngest ever captain. Do you know what it does as well though for the likes of those Liverpool players? Now they don't want to leave. Oh, now there's that taste. Yeah, now now they're like, I've played at Anfield. I've won a game at Anfield mm. in front of a full, like partisan crowd. Let's call it. Like I want to feel that for the next ten years. Yeah, you know, and they're class acts. That team is some brilliant players. I saw Nico Williams is um, set for a call up to the Wales senior squad after it. Jesus, outstanding. I I seen um I just you know the Twitter hacks and they're they're going around and they're comparing this and that and they were comparing Nico Williams to Juan Bissaka's stats for the season. Oh wow! <laughs> and Nico Williams has more assists and more clean sheets in less games than than Bissaka has all season for United, like small things but just yeah they're doing really well but like that they're being trusted with the opportunity hmm. and I think while Klopp is obviously going to still get some amount of stick for disrespecting the cup and inverted commas it's really turned around on the FA because Liverpool won and as well as that it came out that it was nearly impossible to watch like there was no TV channel covering it and apparently the FA had discouraged foreign bidders from yeah. broadcasting the game which is I mean, if they're on about disrespecting the FA Cup, like turning around and doing that to your own competition when you've got Liverpool, well, Liverpool, even if it's the under-18s, is going to be a global viewing. Yeah, I think... Um, no matter what, I think they really shot themselves in the foot there, and when Liverpool went through, it turned it around on them, media-wise. Yeah, I think it was it was something in the region of £500,000 Shrewsbury lost out on. Yeah, Because the other thing. refused to put it on TV. Yeah, like that, we're talking about Liverpool and all the ramifications there, and poor Shrewsbury. Yeah, they got no one spoke about it. They came from two 0 down against Liverpool. Yeah, this season not a lot of teams have done that. It's a huge achievement for Shrewsbury, and then to get to go and play at Anfield and their fans couldn't even watch it. Yeah, I'd like to illegally streaming it. Like, but I'd um, like to know was there a deal done in the background with Liverpool and Shrewsbury going? Look, we'll give you the five hundred thousand. They still sold out the stadium, fifty five thousand players. I know it was what it was it a euro for a kid or and it was they reduced the prices yeah, because it was going to be the only like a euro a pound and it was 10 or 15 pounds then for an adult yeah. but even at that 55,000 yeah I don't know if they're money. I don't know if they're allowed to do deals behind behind closed doors with Shrewsbury or anything nah. but yeah like the you'd FA ima- you'd imagine something was done quite possibly 
I think but personally I would have liked to see Klopp there even if he's in the stands because I, I saw his press conference about where he was asked was he disrespecting the cup and he said no these are Critchley's players yeah, yeah. he knows them better he's their coach they need him more than they need me there's no point in me standing there pretending to be their coach but I saw Danny Murphy raise a valid point um, he was on about when he was coming through as a young player he was like, even when you were training at under 18s or under 21s or reserves mm. when the first team manager turned up even if it was to talk to the manager or whatever just mm. to watch the intensity went up a level yeah and he thinks and I think there's justification in it that if Klopp is sitting there in the stands now they know he's watching they're like I'm sure he found an illegal stream somewhere to watch the game he, he didn't Liverpool TV actually stream direct to him Oh, okay. Yeah, they, they they figured that one out for him. That's fair enough. Um, what what? But they knew he was watching. But I think him being there, even if he's in the stand and he doesn't really, if he doesn't go in at halftime, if he just you're, you're 16, 17, 18, 19 years of age. Yeah, you're playing for Liverpool. In yeah, an FA Cup tie at Anfield. Yeah, you shouldn't need clap in the stands. I agree. to raise your intensity. But then if he I, is there, do you no. find another two percent? I don't think you need it. I think I think clap is right. Like if it comes out. You know that, like, what did the FA? Let's ask the other question. What did the FA do about Mourinho and Bruce and those that you know skirted the law? So with the as in by skirting the winter break, yeah. Like you've given well, us a winter break and now you've taken it away from us. Yeah, like the winter break isn't a like it's not a set rule. They can't be fined but for. They were sent a letter from the FA going asking them to yeah to respect the yeah, winter respect break. it. And then the FA didn't respect it themselves. So yeah, they all had so, to choose you know, between a rock and a hard place. And yeah, um, and for them, especially the likes of Mourinho, there, Tottenham needs a trophy. That'll be his main aim for the season: is to look, get a trophy. Watch that game last night. Lucky to still be in it. Uh, correct. Yeah, but this is a big chance for these teams. Like mm. it's more important for them to try and advance in the cup, yeah. whereas Liverpool don't need to per se. No one's going to look back on Liverpool season and go, "They didn't win the FA Cup. Not great." They're not like, going to win the FA Cup. They could quite possibly. I think I said it last week when uh, we were on about it. Was on Bill Shankly missing the game, but that was the first time Liverpool went on to yeah. win the cup. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I would have liked him to be there, and I do also still think that some players could have done with minutes rather than a break. Take Minamino; he already had a winter break. Yeah, I, I, agree, I agree with that to a certain extent. I, I just I think he couldn't if he's going to give half a team mid-season break he's got to give it all yeah. and, and then maybe maybe leave it in the player's hands but then you know, look at this, the like this is your break if you'd rather stay like James Milner yeah. no he didn't play but he was there and he was around then by all means you're more than welcome to but this is what I'm suggesting you do maybe but the likes of Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott there they've been training around the first team the whole season mm. they've got no break have they played any uh, many games senior no, not not as many, not even close to as many. But they're still training in around the first team the whole time and playing under twenty threes. And poor Harvey Elliott's still young enough to play for the under eighteens as well for the next <laughs> year. Or two years. I'm sure he's I'm sure he's on enough money that uh, he didn't mind playing. I'm sure he doesn't but, mind. Yeah, when he goes back into school tomorrow. I actually don't think he can be. I'm not sure where that rule lies anymore. But no, I wouldn't be on wild money. But I'm sure he's on more than your average sixteen year old. <laughs> Yeah, but there is there is a there is a cap on that until they as reach far as I know until like, they sign pro anyway. Yeah, so like you've got the the, the tripartite news where he signed a three year deal um, with, with Tottenham with Tottenham as of this morning. Um, yeah, it'll it'll be an interesting one. Like again, the FA were wrong, 
by having again if you say with fifth round there's no replays then there shouldn't have been replays in the fourth round if they thought this yeah was a it just seemed like they've obviously recognized that there was an issue there around this time of year with the replays and they've just yeah. gone be, to half measures to fix it that's all it's going to be a busy summer for the fa it is we, it is there's a lot of things take, to be figured you, out and take the euros i mean they're going to be up the walls with the euros straight off and then they've got to figure out var they've got to figure out this mid-season break um, I see this morning the the transfer uh, window has been extended to the yeah, first September. Yeah, back out to first of September. I think that, that makes sense because the plan was for all of Europe to change so that you knew your squad going into the season. Because yeah. managers used to always complain about two weeks into the season you'd have bids coming in for a player and stuff, and that the plan was just makes everyone moves it back to before the season, and then the FA moved the Premier League window back. And none of the foreign leagues did it, yeah. so they were just left behind. It, it makes sense that it's in line with Europe. It has just, to be. It would make more sense if it was in line with Europe at the start, at the start of the season. Yeah, I'd so. agree. I'd agree. Imagine the English being in line with Europe. <laughs> Getting political <laughs> up in here. Oh, well, that's another question. I mean, when, when we talk about it that way, what's going to happen with transfers going forward? Um, that would be interesting. I, I, I can't find any information on it. Haven't heard a lot. You'd have to you'd have to imagine the discussion is ongoing in the background with Brexit and the UK not being part of the European Workers Union now. Like you're gonna need work permits, you're gonna need you know, all that kind of stuff. What happens? Yeah, like I've seen obviously like I personally follow the the Liverpool players more, but there's been some signings that have come in and they haven't had work permits, they've had to go out on loan. We're talking more South times. American players and stuff like that. Isn't um, it? Yeah, South American and African players yeah, would but, be predominantly. But that now applies to European players as well. That's the thing. Until Even a deal is done between Europe and the UK. Youngsters from France, Netherlands, like which is very common with British teams signing these youngsters, and they're going to have to apply for work permits, and it's going to delay them. And then the players are just going to move to the Spanish or German leagues, and yeah. it could be detrimental to the Premier League. The Italian league. Exactly. Everyone loves the Italian league now. Yeah, it's um, it's going to be an interesting few months in the uh, DFA offices. Yeah. Um, we spoke about the the transfer window there. The January transfer window just finished. Yeah. Anything interesting on uh, on your radar there? I was just one that obviously a lot of managers complain about the January transfer window. They hate it. They're like, oh, it's just it's a distraction. They don't like it. They they think they're going to lose their best players or that. If they want to buy someone, they're going to be overcharged. But I was just kind of looking back on, some would say, the better January transfers. The likes of Van Dijk and Suarez at Liverpool. Uh, Man City got Laporte. Like Man United have got Evra and Vidic turned to January transfer window. So there's definitely bargains to be had. But then you look at some of the other ones. Like I think the one that sticks out the most is Andy Carroll. Just that pure panic by last day of the transfer window. And... In oh, the same day, Torres to Chelsea. Like these have clubs, and like Liverpool and Chelsea are big enough to absorb that cost. But I was looking at some of the other ones, like Middlesbrough forked out nearly £13 million for Alfonso Alves, and I dropped my pen. Um, and they ended up getting relegated. And like there was obviously rumours that he had disciplinary issues and stuff, and he went on to live up to that and become a complete waste of money. Yeah, and I think a lot of 
clubs in the lower to middle Premier League table kind of fall victim to that where they panic buy to try and save their season and it ends up costing them a lot financially yeah I think this was like looking at this particular transfer window to me there didn't seem to be a huge amount of panic buying even though certain teams like the likes of Chelsea and that we felt like they needed to sign a couple of players yeah Chelsea in particular I think we all expected um, it to happen well Chelsea and Spurs were the two I mean Spurs got rid of Ericsson brought in they bring in someone to Steven Bergwijn a yeah. winger scored in his debut against City as well. Yeah, but not, and they not Jensen Fernandez. Not player. huge, not huge business in the grand scheme of things. I, I read that um, Ericsson made a statement saying that he felt like the the black sheep in his final days at uh, at Spurs. Of course he did. He was rubbish. And everyone <laughs> knew he wanted to leave. <laughs> yeah. So like, I don't know if he expects everyone to be his best friend during that time period or yeah. not. But um, but yeah, like United brought in Bruno Fernandez and Iqalo. Panic buy. Well, even though it's only on loan. Well, look, at the, look at the Iguala one, right? Fernandez looked really, really good in his debut. Yeah, he did. Really, he's really a good, good footballer, um, but I don't know if he was worth that level of money. I feel like Sporting knew United needed to buy a player. They knew they had the money, and they squeezed probably an extra five to ten million out of them. Mm. And it's that kind of thing that a lot of managers complain about. But look at the Iguala boy. I mean, Iguala has been a top scorer no matter where he went, international level in China, like. Does that reflect on the Premier League? I don't know. He's still a former Watford player that had to go to China. Yeah, exactly, he couldn't. Know? So it'll be interesting to see how he goes. Um, we, we have a conspiracy theory ourselves that we were talking about off air, aren't we? That the United signed De Gallo to, to move him into a house in Liverpool and hope the coronavirus got the Premier League cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that Liverpool couldn't win the league. Desperate measures. <laughs> but um, like he couldn't get in the Watford team. What are United doing getting him on a six-month loan deal? It's a panic buy. What it is, but they needed something to replace Rashford. They needed a strike. They did, but look what they went and got. Yeah, it's a panic buy. It's bad business, and it only happened because of the January transfer window. Yeah, let's reserve judgment. I mean, he could score ten goals between now and the end of the season. If he does, he'll be a hero. He could, United, but he won't. United will uh, qualify for the Champions League. You know, I'd say it's a stretch. We'll have the same argument in three weeks' time here. We'll see. We'll know more then, like. Yeah, no, I'm gladly. Uh, I'm going to commit to this. Like, <laughs> it's, it's a tough one. What it's we, were, we were talking about a bad piece of business. Was it Henrik Larsson came to United with three goals and thirteen three games? Three goals and thirteen and so. games. He's still a good signing though. But I think Henrik Larsson, everyone knew how good he was. Like he had yeah. spent time at Celtic and Barcelona. Like I think was he Sweden's top scorer of all time? Maybe could be wrong on that one. But one before, of Sweden's greatest players ever. Like, like yeah, an, an amazing player, no doubt yeah. about it. Um, Whereas. Where's this? Where's this poor creature going to fit into those? <laughs> what age? Is, could, what age is he got? Oh, 28, 29? Quick Google search would probably tell us. Is he that oh, age? I would have put him. I would. North, north of thirty. Larson was thirty four when he signed for United. But again, a player with like world class pedigree, like yeah. he scored goals everywhere <laughs> he's gone. Like Igalo is thirty years of age. Thirty. Yeah. Igalo struggled to knock Tridini out of the Watford team. No, I like Tridini he's a good footballer but I is wouldn't if United turn around and sign Tridini in the, in the morning like United could have been better off signing Garton Hoogle and Gouli and man Shane Long I'd say <laughs> probably speak, yeah Shane Long wouldn't have been a bad speaking of which good to see him back in the score sheet yeah exactly scored yeah, again last night he's yeah. playing well nice now he's, a, he's after putting in a good case yeah, for the, he, for the he qualifiers got, he went off injured last night you'd really hope that there's nothing too serious there like he walked off the pitch but he had to be helped off so yeah. You really hope from from an Ireland point of view that Southampton's a good club for him now though. Really on the up. I mean we they got that drubbing against Leicester early in the season nine nil. 
Don't know, it looks like Danny Ings looks like he's rediscovered form. Shane Long is the same. It's an incredible Nathan turnaround. Redmond. Incredible turnaround at Southampton. Like you've never, I, I haven't seen anything like that. Like for a team that was t- bottom of the table for so long, like you said, got that nine nil or nine one drubbing from Leicester, and at then, home, and then to turn around and now what top half of the table. Yeah, you know that just shows though how tight the Premier League is. Very yeah. tight these days. It's close to years gone by. Very tight. That whole bottom half. It's starting to spread out a small bit now. There's a bit of a bottom five developing, but that's that's about it. Do you think? And again, I, I don't know whether we've discussed this or not previously, but is the Premiership stronger or weaker than when teams when it was more spread out? I mean, there's a lot of teams beating everyone else. Does that make it stronger or weaker, or does that mean that everyone has kind of come back to the pack, or does it mean that lower teams are getting better? I've heard, yeah, I've heard a lot of fans saying, "Oh, the Premier League is weaker. Look at how much Liverpool are winning it by." I think most Liverpool, of them are from Manchester. Yeah, so no, that would be the same if it was the other way around. Of course, as well. if yeah. it was Man United, twenty-two points clear of the league, I'd probably be sitting here going, "Oh, it's, ro- it's just rubbish a league. league. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible." Um, but I think outside of that, that twenty-two point gap, beyond that, it, it's tight. It's a competitive league, mm. and like you look at the German league now. There's like the top of that league is very very tight. Top mm. six, seven, eight teams, and in the Premier League, we're used to having. You had your top four. You had Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea, Man United for years, and then Spurs and City came in. Liverpool kind of fell away a small bit and came back. But you, yeah. you had your big six, and now it's being infiltrated. You've got Wolves, you've got Leicester, you've got Sheffield United. I think it makes it a better league. I think if the title race was a bit tighter, they'd be on about how amazing the Premier League is. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And and I do like I watch an awful lot of American sports, and their way of evening everything out is you know the players that come out of colleges through the draft system, the draft and all that system. kind of stuff. But no matter what they try and do to a certain level, there's there's still there's still different levels within the league. So yeah. you've got the bottom half, and then you've got the next third, and then you've got one or two teams that are always that that far ahead but it would still be seen as a really competitive league where anyone can beat anyone on any given night which is what you'd like to see from the Premier League and I think that's what we are seeing I, I think it's what seeing we're seeing you're just seeing an exceptional Liverpool team at the moment yeah I think that's just what's happening yeah we're even starting to see like that Man City team which everyone thought was uncatchable mm. they're being beaten by teams like we saw them lose to Tottenham last week they're actually losing games it's just that Liverpool happened to be having their best season possibly yeah. ever this year can we uh, anyone want to comment on the, the Mbappe to Liverpool rumours do we oh, think does he get in the team what does he get in the team are you for real like um, who are you dropping we're not we're selling Salah sell oh. Salah to pay for Mbappe no I wouldn't think so I think I can just see I don't know why but I can just see Mbappe in a Real Madrid shirt it just fits in my head I can see him being the Galactico wearing the number 9 for Real Madrid well, it looks it looks like over the last couple of weeks he's been becoming a little bit more uneasy at PSG. There's a little bit of arguing. He was taken off last week yeah. and fought with the with the coach, and I think they've kind of resigned themselves that they're going to lose him. So it's just a matter of when who, rather than if who and, and who. who and how much. I think it's going to be the end of this season. So yeah, like it's going to happen eventually. He's too good to stay in the French league. Yeah. for his whole career it would be an absolute travesty if we were looking back in 20 years at Mbappe now he'd be the French League's all time leading scorer 
probably twice over but if he didn't go to a better league yeah, and whether it's Spain or England or even Italy or Germany playing under Neymar and behind Neymar is probably a bad thing for him as well Neymar's definitely a, Neymar's a bad influence he's just and Icardi on the other side I don't think he's the best influence no, either given no. his tense relationship with the Inter Milan fans even when he was their captain yeah it's just, it's just like you'd like to see him move on preferably Liverpool but I'd love to see him at Liverpool you know be. I mean he's going to be pretty much unstoppable no matter where he goes yeah. he's one of those players we can all see him with the Ballon d'Or in 5-6 years it could be even less uh, yeah and if, if France were to go on and win the Euros this year probably next year yeah quite possibly so, yeah. so. I don't know if right, Newcastle might have something to say about it if they get their um, their big takeover a lot of Newcastle fans buying shirts with Mbappe 9 on the back they must be selling them cheaper. Watch this space. Yeah, we bought them in Ports Direct for a fiver. Must be, yeah. Get a free mug with it as well. Oh, right. Uh, any other football news you want to discuss? Um, not really. I think that was it. The January transfer window was kind of the and the, the mid-season break. And it's going to be interesting how that plays out as well with the African Cup of Nations being moved back to mid-season. Yeah. So that's going to be another factor to consider. When Is that uh, next year? Uh, 2021 I think yeah so Crap. January Liverpool will be losing Salah Mane and Keita for probably four weeks and four weeks at the rate the fixtures are piling up the last 12 games you could be missing them for we're going to need Mbappe we might do yeah I think we found where he fits in get him on loan there for three months um, and call him the new Igalo yeah I suppose the, the other news this week was um the launch of the Airtricity League, but we're going to do a proper um, rundown of all that and all that it entails for next week's yeah. podcast. Um, moving on to GAA, Dylan, where are we? Where are we on GAA this week? Another another loss for our hometown. Yeah, poor old Tip. They can't seem to get it going at all. I'm sure, I suppose the Boris Lee boys aren't back yet. That's why uh, they haven't hit form yet, and I won't be biased. Uh, not sure two Boris Lee boys are going to have made that much of a difference that we'd have won both those games uh, uh, definitely there against Cork we said it at home we were watching it on the telly there and we said it within the first five minutes the tip were going to struggle big field down there and those Cork boys are well able to run uh, very fit and they're well able to hurdle too as well so we, 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 we kind of highlighted it at home that they'd struggle and they did yeah they were beaten I have I have a couple of questions, right? And I'll ask the, f- the first one is on, is on Tipperary, and then we'll move on to Cork. Tipperary last won the league in two thousand and eight. Jamie Cannon is the only player in that Tip squad with a with a league medal. I do not understand Tipperary's lack of interest in winning another league, which is what it seems to me. Yeah, because the the talk at the start of the league was uh, these Tip boys will want to win the league because yeah. they haven't. You know, and, and even Sheedy's interviews before the league started, it was like, you know, we're going to go out and we're going to give it everything. And, you know, it just, it doesn't seem to have manifested itself. Like, they're bottom of the table, zero points. I mean, the only other teams with zero points are Westmead, Carlo and Leash, right? So that puts them in terrible company straight off that. No offence to Westmead, Carlo and Leash, but they're in terrible company. Mm. Like, in order to get through to a league semi-final or a league qu- or whatever it is, quarter-final, semi-final, they're going to need other results to go their way. And then they have to go out and beat Waterford, Galway, and I think it's a Westmead in their group as well, win all three of those games and hope another result goes their way. They're pretty much out. They can start concentrating on the Munster League straight, or the Munster Championship straight away. Does that make any sense to you? 
Uh, not really, no. And we spoke actually about this recently enough on the podcast. Uh, what makes a successful team? And we said tip, but sure, they were out of league since 2008. You know, and what are the three, three All Ireland titles in that space of time? That's all three All Irelands, you know. And they There's, are looked at as being. They're definitely they? not a dynasty. No. And you look at it from another point of view. On their form currently, there's no way they'll they'll repeat. There's no way you could see them winning All Ireland right now. Uh, no, not after the last two games, anyways. But um, yeah, no, it's an interesting enough one, uh, an inter- interesting situation. Tipperary found themselves in, especially as we said before the league that they were all guns blazing to try and go out and win the league. So yeah, like what what has stood out for me has been the performances of Limerick. First off, like Limerick look like they're back to their monster final form. They, they beat Tip in the second half. They were very bad in the se- first half against Tip. Beat Tip off the field in the second half, and they were just way better than Galway on uh, on on Saturday evening. Um, they seem to have got the monkey off their back there. I know there was a lot raw about them over Christmas, but they seem to be uh, playing playing with a bit of freedom now. So they do. There's yeah. all about them. It'll be it, 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 what they seem to have done is managed to keep hurling and politics separate, which is good for them in a way because there's a lot more hurt and pain coming their way in the in the near future, but. Um, looking at the Cork side, like we forget, Cork have been to two All Ireland semi-finals, an All Ireland quarter-final. They've been there, there, there about the last five years without anyone expecting too much out of them. Like, does that Cork team seem to you as someone that can contest an All Ireland final? Uh, they hurled hurled well and they're fierce fit. Um, I don't know. That's just what makes hurling so great at the moment. I suppose is you have. What six or seven teams that could be All Ireland finalists, and it's so tight and so competitive. Like every game matters, and that's why Tip would Tip would want to get the finger out now. So they would. Yeah. Well, what what they can do, I suppose, now is if they if they write off this league, they can go back go back to the drawing board, and they can look to peak for the middle of the championship rather than going the next six seven weeks at the league and just then go back to the drawing board. Um. Patrick Horgan. This is something that came up when we were watching the game last uh, last Saturday night. Horgan is touted one of the best hurlers of our generation. I disagree entirely. The man's an incredible free taker. I very rarely see him do anything from play. I I would agree with you there, and I, we we brought it up ourselves at home actually there on Saturday night. I think did he scored one point from play. Yeah, but he, he scores a huge amount, but I just don't know, does he offer anything from yeah. play? Now, there's no doubt he's a skillful hurler, you know, he, he gets around the pitch, he wins frees, whatever, but I, I don't think all, again, it's the People's Republic of Cork, and Joe, you can probably fill us in a little bit more from, from down there. But basically a sovereign nation. Yeah, but it's, I I don't know, am I, am I, am I completely out of touch here? Do, do like, I am, it, am I wrong? I think it could just be a thing where people get carried away by his numbers. Because like you say, scores an amount, but like, Taking every free, yeah, scores an amount and it bulks up his numbers, and people will look at them. And like, if people are reading about the game, they see, Oh, Patrick Horgan scored nine, ten points again, and you're like, Oh, geez, he's unbelievable. But Twitter blew up on on Saturday night during the game, but oh, isn't Patrick Horgan the best hurler in the country? And I wanted to, but I didn't. I want to write back, going, No, he's not. Yeah, probably wouldn't go that far now. But like it was again. I, I'm presuming it was all just like you said, people from the sovereign nation of Cork, yeah, backing up their guy. But yeah, I don't know. There's, there's probably I'd imagine we, that's a lot of. There's probably is. we can go down. We could probably do some research and go down through a list of players that, you know, in in that position to take a lot of frees, score a lot of frees, but don't do a huge amount from play. Definitely. 
Because you know, like that, when people look back and they see the numbers, they think, oh, he was amazing. Might you, not have been, it might have been generous to him, so to speak. Well, on another question, would you get away with that in typical Kenny? Uh, no, I don't think so. You look at uh, Jason Ford, he takes the freeze for tape and he puts in a fair shift and TJ Reid will be the same with Kilkenny. He's influential to all of, most of their play. But you're not going to keep Jason Ford just on the field for his freeze? Uh, no, because if he's playing well, if he's playing badly in, from open play, he's going to be taken off, and they'll just pass the freeze on to someone else. Yeah. You know, is Patrick Horgan's free taking that important to Cork? Is there some? Is there no other free takers in Cork? I'm sure we find one or two, like, but yeah, I guess it's just that he's he's become known as such a specialist mm. free taking that. I tell you, there was one. There was one player. Is it Fitzgibbon or Fitzgerald midfield for Cork? Um, but if it. you take him off and you change the free taker and all of a sudden a couple of frees go wide people start pointing the finger very very fast so I think that could be it or at least an element of it yeah, yeah I was surprised there to see Tip's performance um, do you know actually what really bothered me was how the commentators hadn't a clue who was who on the field I don't know if you noticed that yourself oh, that James. really annoy me but Jesus, they hadn't a clue who was playing at midfield. Willie Connors and Alan Flynn, they mixed them up more times. And you're sitting there at home like, what, what, are they, what game are they watching? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I'd be like that now watching football. Cause like if I tried to commentate on a hurling fo- or Gaelic football match, I'd be like that and mix up players. But if I'm watching a soccer match and the commentator mixing up names, I'd start to get like that. I'd be fairly annoyed. I'd be like, yeah, it was interesting, I'd say. Poor old, yeah. Jer- poor old Jer was still in pre-season himself. He must have been only just back from his holiday too. <laughs> Sounds like it. Sounds like it, yeah. But uh, they want to get names on the back of the jerseys or something to help them out. They want to get names on the back of the jerseys. There, there's an idea for you now, Joe. No. Might be more of a marketing thing uh, than anything. You else. heard it here first. So sell a lot of cork jerseys with Horgan on the back. Horgan got man of the match on. He did, yeah. On Saturday night. Like, all our talk. Horgan gets man of the match on on, on Friday night. I don't know. One of those things, I suppose. We don't. We it don't, is one of those things. We don't always have to be right. But it happens more often than not. I remember um, the T, the TJ. T, I think TJ got men in the match there in the All Ireland Club final, and like a lot of people were saying, the likes of maybe Jer- Jerry Kelly or someone like that should have got it. You, you'd often wonder. Like being does, on the winning side helped there as well. Being on the winning side does often help, but you'd wonder, are some of these awards given purely because of your name? Oh, there's definitely an element of it. There Absolutely. definitely is. I remember Brian O'Driscoll coming out the year he retired. I think he got man of the match in all of his Six Nations games, and he was kind of saying in the interviews, "God, thanks for little talking, lads." You know. Yeah, I remember when. Um, and this is kind of going back to soccer, obviously, but it highlights that I think fairly well. When Henri went back to Arsenal, they were playing Leeds in the FA Cup, and it was on ESPN, and they did this online vote for man of the match. Now Henri went on to come on and score the winning goal, but I think with an hour gone, he was still on the bench and he was winning the man of the match vote. So, it's that kind of thing where your name will get you a lot of those kind of minor accolades. And I think that plus winning it probably what put TJ Reid ahead of Jerry Kelly probably in the yeah. club final. Unfortunately, there's no hurling now this weekend, so it's all football orientated, which isn't as. Uh which isn't as competitive as the the hurling, but they've not had as competitive, a, and it's not as entertaining, really. There's been a few entertaining games there recently. Uh, we had Kerry and Galway there last weekend. Was a fierce, uh, yeah. Fierce I tell, entertaining you, tell you, just looking looking at the league tables before we we came on, right? Um, and we say it's not competitive, but things are very tight. 
in in all four divisions. Um, in Division One, you've got no one on full points. Um, Donegal lead the way with there's there's a couple of teams on three. Donegal and Dublin are on three, um, and then you've got four teams on two. So I think that's all very very close. Um, in Division Two, leader on Leisure on three points after a big win over Armagh, um, but like there's four teams on two points behind them again. Um, Ross Common is I suppose the the shock there in Division Two. No points from two games, bottom of the table. Like they've two Connacht titles in a row, and look like they might be in, in relegation trouble already. Um, losing to Fermanagh is a is a big one for them. Like that's like that's nothing you would have seen. Fermanagh wouldn't be looking like they'd be. That's a bit of a kick in the stones for us, Common. Right? Um, in Division Three, Corker a bit of a class apart. Uh, two wins from two, way out in front, and it's just. You don't see anyone really competing with them. Um, we've got Tip and Downer on three points each. Tip played Derry this week, um, and Cork are playing. It escapes me now. Uh, Cork are playing down, so like that could that could decide the league straight away after three rounds. You know, decide divide that division. And you've got Sligo and Limerick on four points each in Division Four. But again, it's. It's not your usual Dublin Mayo destroying and leading the way again. Two only two, two rounds of matches gone, and another one this weekend. Um, I think uh, Dublin and Kerry drawn with each other probably had a lot to say about that. Yeah, um, I don't know. There's like I suppose Dublin play Monaghan this weekend. Um, Monaghan after a big result against Tyrone, um, you still expect in Dublin to beat Monaghan. But you just don't know. Monaghan get it together and play the way they did last weekend against Tyrone. They might give Dublin some trouble. Um, there's probably not. Donegal played Galway. You're expecting Donegal to win again. And if that happens, you're probably looking at your league final is already set. You'd expect them to go the whole way, wouldn't you, Dublin Donegal? Don't rule out the likes of Kerry, Tyrone. I think for the first time in a while, the league in football is quite competitive. Mm. Will will that transpire over to the championship? Is a whole different story. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, it's nice to see that there's a few games that are kind of a small bit entertaining. But yeah, there's 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 a couple of teams in in division uh, division one that probably staring relegation in the face already. The likes of Mayo, one point from two games. Meet lost both their games so far and he had a horrendous result the weekend so against Donegal yeah. yeah 7 points to 3-8 um, and like, like the likes of Mead still have still have Dublin to play still have Kerry to play you know you wouldn't expect it to get any better for them no a, fo- a football county like him is uh... <laughs> um, uh, yeah Leash, Leash is the shock to me I mean Leash are top of division 2 big win over Armagh who were expected to be the team there really um, yeah I don't know what about our home squad Tipperary a win and a draw from the first two games yeah Tip is an interesting one there but they've kind of lost a good few players the last few years there um, do you know uh, what was it it's not that long ago since we're in the All-Ireland semi-final against Mayo where they were kind of hard done by really it was never yeah. never a red card in my opinion but um the black, the black heart, the black early black heart, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah you still like you're expecting Cork. Cork look like they could be the team that could shock a few teams in both hurling and football this year. Cork, Cork footballer shouldn't be in Division Three. No, 
should never That's be in Division the other Three. Side of it. But then again, you've probably down and Derry that are probably thinking we shouldn't be in Division Three either. So uh, again, an interesting weekend. That Cork down game probably be worth watching, and might decide if Cork are to beat down, it probably decides the the division in their favour and is all to play for 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 the second position. Um, good to see Sligo winning games. We looked at um, we looked at Leitrim getting to a league final last year, and you know. Like I think their only game that they lost last year was to Derry, um, who they got promoted with. And then did they draw with Derry last week? Um, in the first round, first game of Division Three. So, like, it's nice to see teams like that. And you look at Sligo. Sligo have barely won a game in in three or four years, and they're they're top of that table on on four points. Limerick as well. I mean, Limerick look they beat Cork in that Munster League early title and big result for them. By the way, Cork are playing now and top of that table after a victory against London last weekend yeah, so I think, I think Cork rested a few lads that day but yeah no good to see Limerick yeah yeah be interesting we'll, uh, we'll see how that goes this weekend um, rugby rugby time Six Nations who seen France beating England oh I did I think <laughs> <laughs> back to last week uh, yeah, probably the closest thing to a big shock in the opening week. A, a very big shock. Like everyone. Like we all expected Wales to beat Italy and Ireland, although we probably thought Ireland might be a little more convincing against Scotland. Yeah, I think I think Scotland's aggression played a big part in that. Ireland came out and tried to play some rugby and Scotland were just really, really aggressive yeah. in the in the way they took that game. Um the heard complaints about the way the Scottish national anthem was played and that uh, the Scots were very very angry about them that may have led to it I don't think so what was wrong with the way they played it it was played too slow it was played more like a polka instead of a a war tune I I thought it felt very dancey but yeah Scotland had enough of um, enough of ammunition to come out with with aggression after the the big the big defeat they took in the World Cup to Ireland yeah Looking at Ireland, I really dislike Neil Francis. Um, I read a, I read a report today or an article today from Neil Francis in the Irish Independent, and it was like I think we got the wrong Englishman. You know, yeah, that's like, probably jumping the gun a small bit, right? Yeah. Is there a right Englishman? There is. <laughs> <laughs> well, in his in his mind, Stuart Lancaster would have been a better call for the Irish job than Andy Farr. But I don't think Stuart Lancaster was in the frame. It it was one of those things. Like, and he reckons that Ireland should be playing a more expansive game like Leinster do. Now there's an argument to be made for that, but there's no reason that Andy Farrell can't bring that into it because he's got so many of those Leinster players in the squad anyway. Yeah, it's something that the Irish team should be able to do with or without Stuart Lancaster. It's just to me, it's it's the sensationalist headlining that week on week he goes for looking for attention a little bit it's an easy opinion to hold immediately after Ireland have had a subpar performance it's easy to say like if Ireland go and lose to Wales next week it's easy to say oh this is the wrong man we're playing the wrong way yeah, but he, anyone like, could do it he referred to he referred to Andy Farrell as Joe Light oh. like very very unfair I mean Ireland may not have played particularly well on Saturday but they tried a lot of things that we hadn't seen them try they tried you know playing out from the back they tried a more expansive game of rugby um, the couple of injuries didn't help I mean Keelan Doris who you'd expect to lead from from the, the front with his ball carrying and with everything 
went off injured after 10 minutes you know yeah and like in fairness to CJ Stander and we were all a bit harsh on him last week about whether it was time for him to go or not um, stood up and was man of the match and he was sensational yeah. really, really Peter O'Mahony were every time Ireland needed some bit of magic they were the ones that yeah and, done it. and it, there's like you could look at it from a point of view of standards turnovers won the game for Ireland you could also look at a point of view that Stuart Hogg's dropped ball over the line won the game for Ireland but yeah I think that more, was more so the latter to be honest that was well they got a penalty from that anyway right so they got yeah. three points from that try yeah. that would have been five it was on the touchline there's no oh, guarantee it was a tough conversion right yeah there's no guarantee it would have been so like it was a two point swing maybe at least but I think there's the, the mental aspect of that like that's yeah it's still a terrible, terrible miss a huge on. chance I think heads kind of drop a small bit yeah. Ireland kind of think oh we got away with one there you get a bit of a second wind off those kind of things. Someone misses a big chance against you. I tell you, the more I look at it, like the Finn Russell lost to Scotland probably had a lot to play with. I don't know if you had Finn Russell, Stuart Hogg, and the amount of just rugby they would have tried to play. I think Ireland would have been in trouble on Saturday. But just just down to Scotland being better than we expected, more, more so than anything else. Um, Scotland, of course, go on and play England this week. Um yeah, that would be interesting. England, Scotland won't. Scotland will make England earn it. Like England needs a win now after losing to France. Yeah, the Cal- the Calcutta Cup game, which is like Calcutta Cup, is what England and Scotland always played for. Um, that game in Edinburgh is always it's going to be intense. always tough going. Um, England need to kind of put on a show after a, a big loss to France. They're going to have to. It's going to be tough for them. Um, again I read another article during the week there where it was England more so lost the game than France winning it but for 30 minutes in the first half France were just incredible yeah England couldn't get near that um, and you look at you look at the England comeback near the end um, always expected you expect a team with the class that England have to come back and put on a show but again I don't think you were ever worried that France were going to lose that game was it seven points for finishing? I mean, England got the kick. Stupid, yeah, the seven point difference was generous to England. Stupid penalty to give away, and again, that that bonus point for England could be the difference between them winning and losing the championship. Yeah. So, um, not if Scotland have their way. Yeah, look, that that's going to be way closer than people expect. I mean, Scotland will give them enough of it. If Scotland were to lead early, and England were to come back and win it, it wouldn't really surprise me. Um, yeah. England, Vinopola brothers, two massive losses. Um, I don't see anything that they have to replace them. Curry is a an incredible number seven, but just did seem to be a little bit out of his depth at eight instead of instead of Billy Vinopola. Um, looking at their backline, Tuilagi seems to have picked up some sort of injury. Um, Furbank was just not quite up to it, but again. It's his debut. A lot of pressure on him at fullback. I wouldn't blame him for the defeat. A lot of a lot of English papers were blaming him for the defeat. I don't think you can. Um, I think he deserves a second chance. But uh, yeah, it'll be an interesting game on on Saturday afternoon. So before that, we have um, we have Wales and Ireland in um, in the Aviva. Wales hammered Italy. I don't think I don't think we learned anything from that game, really. No, do we? I don't we? think so. Um, that'll be a tough game. It's probably the toughest one to call the weekend. Yeah, we spoke last week about uh, Johnny McNichol being one of the, the players to watch out for, but we were yeah, we I picked were, the wrong winger. Yeah, we picked the wrong winger. Yeah, Josh Adams, another hat trick, um, just world class finisher, isn't he? He's just like he's 
he seems to be in the kind of form that we've seen Jacob Stockdale in a, a couple of years ago. Um, so it'll be interesting to see that one. The two of them going head to head against each other uh, this weekend. Um, nice to see if he can replicate that form against better sides as well. Yeah, he he had a great World Cup. He did. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting. Ireland will have to be at their best defensively, but again, I don't think I don't think Wales will be overconfident after coming off of the win against Italy. They'll have learned nothing. Yeah. A bit um, of a dead rubber in a way, and we're going to have the same issue with France this weekend. I'd imagine you'd expect them to come through against Italy fairly comfortably. Yeah, yeah, it's it's exactly what France needed after the English game. Yeah. It's kind of that that soft game to before they go through the rest of the season. Um, they might put out the one under twenty trees. They might do, yeah. <laughs> Take a mid-season break. <laughs> Take a leaf out of the Jurgen Klopp book, is it? Um, looking at the Irish team, um, no real changes. Murray, Sexton, both hold on. Uh, Mahoney is in at six and Sanders at eight. The way they finished on on Saturday against Scotland, um, out the back you've got the ring rose injury, which has Henshaw coming in at twelve and Bundy to thirteen, um, and Conway, Stockdale, and Larmer all hold on. So, you know, Farrell sticking with the tried and trusted. It's more like probably the closest thing to the World Cup team that we've seen probably um, so he's given them one more chance we've got England up next after the Wales game so it'll be interesting to see how this game goes and where do you draw the line if you're Andy Farrell do you um, do you continue for this season just to give the old guard a chance and hope they return to their 2018 form or do you do you start to change it up if things start to go wrong depends how badly wrong things start to go mm. if I have to get a result against Wales come out with another victory kind of hard to fault him get a result against Wales go, go to England with a triple crown on the line in two weeks time you know exactly. all, all of a sudden you're looking for silverware and it becomes a really successful year and the um, the World Cup is a is a forgotten nightmare I think they need to come up with some sort of an attack and plan they don't seem to have a, a real threat if you know what I mean yeah yeah, you're probably not wrong. Try was taken brilliantly, but apart from that, I didn't see all pile of getting beyond the game line. To be quite honest with you, yeah, I think a lot of the game plan went out the window with the injury to Keelan Doris because he would have been seen as a first receiver, and everything kind of played off him on second or third phase. It'll be interesting. Like we said, they they tried a lot of things from behind their own twenty-two and behind their own line that we've never seen a Joe Smith side try. So you could see. They were trying to be more expansive. They were trying more offloads. It, it, it'll be interesting. Like You get a couple of tries against Wales, maybe they might open up again. Yeah, it'll be interesting. All right. So we'll, um, they, need, they need to start out the attack. In my own opinion, they're not getting beyond the game lane enough. Um, yeah. I disagree a little bit. The World Cup, like they'd gone completely stale. They were not getting past the game line at all. This week they were falling over the game line. Like Stander was making yards, Tyke Furlong a little bit more than back to what we used to see him doing, um, and just it was it was that setup off of that. It was just quicker ball a little bit. Murray is probably in the ball too slow, but Cooney didn't do enough when he came on to displace him. So it'll be interesting again. Let's let's see what happens this weekend. We can we can fight about it next week. I'm sure we will. <laughs> um, the third game of the weekend is France versus Italy on Sunday again. One way traffic. France just looking like to me France have gotten a directive from their superiors that Andy Farrell should have probably gotten from the RFU which is 
go out there and build us a team for the next World Cup. Next World Cup is in France. You know, you're looking at four years to build a team, bring through all the youth. Whereas Andy Farrell is kind of going, well, we need to win silverware rather than prepare for a, a Six Nations. Yeah, that's it. Like France, uh, France are in that position where there probably isn't so much pressure on them for this Six Nations. Yeah. Whereas Ireland need to perform at this Six Nations. Yes. That kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, you'd expect France to pretty much hammer Italy. Yeah. Um, just in, in news closer to home, Munster have made some great signings. Two South Africans and um, Matt Gallagher from Saracens all signed contracts for next season so that should uh, it's promising yeah yeah just filling gaps that we needed to fill with world class players so um, let's hope let's hope that uh, that does the trick and gets us further along in the in the hiding up side of things moving on Joseph your topic of the week this week is yeah um, Real Madrid and their six minute match it was something I remembered hearing about at the time, but I was fairly young, so I didn't really fully know what was going on. As something some people might have heard of. A six-minute match? Yeah. Right. You're going to have to explain that one. I, that was the plan. <laughs> so, uh, December 2004, uh, Real Madrid are playing Real Sociedad in a league game at the Bernabeu. Right. <laughs> Nothing really notable going on. It was one all at the time. Uh, Ronaldo has scored an overhead kick for Real Madrid. It was about the highlight of the game. Um but behind the scenes, there was a bomb threat came in the stadium during the game. And the game kicked off at 7 o'clock, and the bomb threat said that the bomb was to go off just after 9. So the game wouldn't have been long finished. So in the 84th minute, the word got to the fourth official, ran out to the pitch to tell the linesman, or to tell the referee, referee got the players off the pitch. Um, he didn't tell them why. Afterwards, he came out. He said he was like he knew they all had friends and family in the stands, and he was afraid it was going to cause uproar. So, in fairness, they got the entire stadium evacuated in ten minutes, which is amazing. Um, we had the bomb threat supposedly came from ETA, these Basque terrorists, okay. who were also apparently responsible for blowing up a bomb outside the Bernabeu three years or, or two years earlier, two thousand two. So the threat so was obviously taken very yeah, something seriously. Yeah, they had to take serious, yeah. Uh, evacuated the stadium, searched the whole ground, um, and they they couldn't find a bomb. So it was obviously a hoax of some kind. Like, the players were outside, both teams, like, in their full kit. Ready to go back on? No, 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 just, like, they didn't go to the changing room. Oh, they, like, straight out. left okay. the ground immediately. They were just standing outside, full kit. Ronaldo and David Beckham just standing outside, getting cold. God. Um, so... Anyway, the two teams met up to discuss what was going to happen, whether it was just going to be left as a draw, whether they'd have to replay the whole game. And they decided to play the last six minutes on the 5th of January. So was this six minutes, like, were we talking this game was cancelled in the 84th minute or in the 88th minute with injury time? 84th minute, so it was, the whole game ended up being eight minutes, six minutes plus stoppage time. Okay. Um... So they agreed to play it on the 5th of January, which is the day before Three Kings Day, which is apparently a very big holiday in Spain. Okay. And they opened the ground up to the public. They didn't bother selling tickets, whether so it didn't matter if you had been at the first game or not. If you just turned up the first, I don't know how many the Barnabas holds, 80-odd thousand. Yeah. That many just got in for free, six minutes of football, absolute end-to-end stuff. And one of the interesting parts was Real Madrid sacked their manager between the first part and the second part. Okay. So their new manager, what was his name? 
Vanderlei Luxemburgo right. was making his it was his first game for Real Madrid and it was six minutes long Jesus so the so game nice. itself was end to end Real Madrid started just going all out attack long ball and so see that just trying to punt to clear down the other end to get one on the counter it was like basketball it was carnage <laughs> so three minutes into the six minutes um, Ronaldo gets brought down for penalty Zidane puts it away they win 2-1 takes Ronaldo off straight away three minutes in brings on Pavon and then he ends up making another sub later on he takes off Raul for Solari I think but Real Madrid held out for the three points anyway after making two subs in this six minute match okay. and um, yeah there was a lot more celebration after winning the game than there would have been if they had just beaten Sociedad 2-1 in a normal day yeah yeah um, what what is the ruling on that? I mean, this is probably something separate to your story. But what yeah. is the ruling if it gets to the eighty fourth minute? Is the, not the result should stand? Is that not the English ruling? Um, I I don't know. I feel like if it was such a situation like that, that they'd have to sit down. Probably the two teams would sit down representatives mm-hmm. with the FA and figure out what they're going to do. Because for an incident like that to occur, you'd have to take it on its merits rather than try and make a set rule for all situations. Yeah. Now, if one team was at fault for it being. Abandoned, yeah, whereas this is just obviously on, a terrorist on, on threat. For, yeah, unforeseen circumstances. So the two teams met up and they agreed to play it out on the fifth of January. Yeah. Who who did you say? You mentioned David Beckham. Who else would have played in that game? Uh, well, the one change actually they made because they couldn't obviously force the teams to go out with the same lineups. Mm. Um, Real Madrid brought in Morientes for Michael Owen. So okay. this would have been that might have actually been Morientes' last game for Real Madrid before he went to Liverpool. Okay. Could be wrong on that, but it would have been around that time. He'd have left the following week. Did that count as a substitute? No. So they could start with any 11? I I think it was kind of Word. just a bit of a gentleman's agreement that they would start with close to the same 11. But obviously, if you had, you could have had injuries in between. like there Was was it the same referee? No, different referee. Uh, I won't try to pronounce it. Okay. Yeah, there's... Um, was it just six minutes now, or was it like... An old concert Two. beforehand or after it, or <laughs> six minute game. That's it. That was it. You'd hardly yeah. have your bar of chocolate eaten. <laughs> <laughs> sure, you get it for free. Like, what did they expect? A full blown <laughs> a halftime show? Like, <laughs> oh god. <laughs> uh, it was Shakira and J Lo not at that? No, no I don't <laughs> think so. Oh, I don't think so. That's an interesting one. I never heard of that. No. Yeah, I, I remember it happening at the time. I remember hearing about it on the news and seeing Zidane's penalty. And it just take, didn't really take any notice. Only, I was only 10 at the time, so. In 2004. Sorry, I was 20. I thought it was 94. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, James. No. 2004. I was nearly 10 at the time. Yeah. Though, so. Very good. Something I was only looking into last night there. Decided I'd talk Jesus. about it for a while. I've given myself far too much credit there, hasn't I? You were indeed. <laughs> um, very good. That's an interesting one. That was a good one, Joe. Thanks very much for that. You're welcome. Anytime. As I say, if there's any uh, any topics people want me to talk about, just send us some kind of a message on any of the various media. Yeah. And I'll uh, do a bit of research and ramble away about it for a while. Our next se- section is where, where Dylan tests myself and Joe's resolve in bamboozled. Bamboozled, right? The internet's favourite quiz. <laughs> So they tell me, do you know that? Yeah. Um, Word on the street is. We're, we're, in, we're in week six. I still haven't won one. Undefeated. There's I been am. a few draws. I, yeah. I, I'd like to see a, a league table of some sort, but I'm way down. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think it's definitely three, second. Three, three, three wins, three draws, and, a, and three. Uh, or, I don't know, probably three wins. Three draws, and I'd say I've won two. Yeah. 
have I won three in the two draws? Uh, come back to me next week on that. <laughs> right. Um, what have you got for us this week, so then? So, uh, a mixed bag. Uh, it's kind of based on uh, events that went on there uh, during the week. So, you may have heard of some of these already. You may have seen some of these already. But, um, sure, hey, we'll give it a go. Um, so Joe we usually start youngest first we do don't we but Sir James was only 10 in 2004 <laughs> so, uh, oh, I'm so going to regret that one so it is a close one this year yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go on Joe um, hit him hit him Dylan Joe yes. for your first question um, an easy enough one um, Ronaldo's birthday was during the week what age was he Oh. oh, it's the 5th of February. He's 30, uh, 34, 35. I'm going to commit to 35. Correct. Yeah. Well done, Joe. First question. I actually read that this morning, so <laughs> I was kind of hoping you'd miss it. Well, you may have read this one too. <laughs> uh, Tevez was born on the same day, but a different year. What age is Tevez? You should have gone first. You'd have had the easier one. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out in my head if Tevez is older or younger. Thirty-seven. Thirty-six. Would you believe? Oh, no so points for James. That's one one nil one nil to you, Joe. I'm already in the hole here. Um, I said it's a mixed bag, so I don't feel like this is going to be another football question, is it? Uh, football, but of the different kind oh, now, no. Joe. Uh, there was a big event across the water there uh, the weekend. They call it the Super Bowl. Oh, yes. Uh, so the Super Bowl was uh, during the weekend. Uh, what, when, when, what? Did, when did bowl start being spelled with a V? Super Bowl. <laughs> Go on, anyway. <laughs> Sorry, ma'am. <laughs> She'll be listening on the Spotify. Um, right, but what number was it? Oh, what sister? number Super Bowl? What number um, Super Bowl had we? Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna hazard a guess at fifty-four. Good man, Joe. You must have read that this morning, boy. Must have read it somewhere. It wasn't this morning though. Two nil. I was working on my Roman numerals there. I could have sworn I saw a logo. What was what was the Roman numeral? Was it L I V? L I V. Yeah. yeah. Come on, Joe. Um, James, right, you might want to get this one right. Um, <laughs> well, I might want to, all right, yeah. So, we're going to stick to this Super Bowl, and to the nearest thousand, what was the attendance? Ah, uh, stop. <laughs> it was in Miami, the Hard Rock Stadium. It would have been... 67,000 62,417 and come here now they say that this is a big event but she would have more of an All-Ireland Final you would indeed yeah she's not that big like. huh? but the All-Ireland Final is held in the same stadium every year this has moved around uh, yeah but sure here they can't fill 80,000 seats it's not worth talking about um, <laughs> Joe this is the goal for the clean sweep uh who scored Tip's only goal in defeat to Cork? 
Oh my, I haven't got an utter clue. I didn't see any of the game. Um, I'm going to have to put you under pressure for time, Joe. Was it Shamey? It wasn't. It was Brian, Brian Hogan. Penalty. Penalty, a rasper by Unlucky was, Joe. It possibly could go down as goal of the season already. Oh. Anyway. You may want to go give that a watch, so... Right, James, to uh, uh Jesus, to avoid a bad day at the office <laughs> altogether. Um, who scored Kerry's only goal in victory over Galway? Ganey. It was indeed Paul Ganey. Come in, James. That saved your blushes. Yeah, I didn't really. I lost again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting. This is getting very. Uh, it's getting out of control. Lucky James. James. Oh. You've been bamboozled. Thanks so, well, well played, Joe. Thanks. Thanks for uh, those questions, Dylan. Uh, I did not like them. Uh, I they, said they you'd were like good questions. I just don't, you know, I didn't take. They didn't suit me. They didn't suit me, as um, Larry Gogan would say. <laughs> and our final segment of the day is our segment where you, the listener, get to pit your wits against our experts. Um, in our take five segment it is our predictions myself joe and dylan will give you our predictions and you will have to uh give your predictions across our social media um the person who manages to get all of the results right will win a sideline cut beanie um as to date no one has no one has gotten them all right not even anyone here in studio not any of our experts so we're hoping uh, get soon, one someday. sooner or later yeah. that's going to happen. And they're lovely hoodies, boys, especially coming into the summer now. The hoodies are lovely. We're only giving away a beanie. Did I say ho- Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I have hoodies on my mind. Um, so this week's first uh, fixture is Tyrone versus Kerry in a National Football League. Uh, of course, Kerry on three points after, uh, after a win and a draw. Tyrone on two points. After a loss to Monaghan last week. I can't remember who they won against the week before. What are we thinking, gents? I haven't really a clue on this one. I haven't been following either of the teams. So I've gone with a draw. I figure Kerry have a long way to travel to Tyrone. Might be a little off form. Gone for 16 points to 113. Great use of logic there, Joe. Thanks, Dylan. Uh, I've gone for a Kerry win. Uh, I just feel like... Kerry are playing some nice football at the moment and I'm going Kerry 118 Tyrone 16 points yeah I've gone for Kerry win myself 116 to 12 points over Tyrone um, I just think Kerry probably have too much for them uh, that Monaghan result for Tyrone was just not a good result and Kerry seemed to be playing well Clifford hitting stride just looks like it's um it's one of those. Um, in the Six Nations this week, Ireland play Wales in match number two for us. Um, both teams coming off a win last week. Uh, Ireland struggling over Scotland, Wales hammering Italy. Uh, again, I think Ireland at home probably just have that little bit too much for Wales um, and a little bit more battle-hardened after the, the Scotland game than Wales would have been against Italy. So... I'm going to go for a 27 points to 16 win over Wales. Big margin of victory. Joe? I've got 27-25 to Ireland. And Dylan? 
Uh, I've gone for 21-18 to Ireland. We're all getting the old patriotic vote in there, so... Yeah, I kind of have to. Yeah, couldn't be seen to do anything else, but... <laughs> um, game three. We struggled to pick a Premier League game this weekend with only four on, but we went for, you know, the, the high profile of the of them, the Man City versus West Ham. Man City, yeah. of course, trying to stay in touch with Liverpool, trying to break down the 22-point margin, and West Ham, who badly need a win to try and stay they up. Do. Um, David Moyes in, in serious trouble what are we thinking on that one Joe I'm very optimistically going for a 2-2 draw I'd actually I'd expect City to hammer West Ham but I don't know I just feel like I'd be very optimistic here I think West Ham can take more points off City and accelerate Liverpool's inevitable charge to the title Dylan uh, I've gone for a City victory 2-0 to close the gap Um. Yeah, I, I, I can't agree with you on your two-all draw. I'd love to, as you know... I think you can, it doesn't make sense. Um, City to win 6-1. That's, yeah, that's more feasible than my result. Yeah, I think it's wishful thinking on your part. Be breaking out a West Ham jersey for the day. <laughs> Bit of a thriller there, James. Um, uh, probably not a thriller, just a, a high-scoring one. Um, Dublin versus Monaghan. Uh Dublin with three points, Monaghan with two points after the win against Tyrone last week. Um, cannot see anything other than a Dublin win here. Um, probably expecting it to be high scoring enough, 119 to 14 points in favour of Dublin. Thoughts, lads? Yeah, I've got a very similar score. I've gone 216 to 15 points. And Dylan? I've gone even similar again. I've gone 218 to 15 points. All Dublin wins. Yeah. Um, and then our last game of the week is the Calcutta Cup tie in the Six Nations between Scotland and England. Um, I might be I might be laughed out of it for this, but I'm actually going to go for a draw, twenty-one all. Um, just think, Scotland battle-hardened, England not playing all that well. I think it's probably a a, a time for an upset. I just. Uh, yeah, I just don't think it's going to be a win for Scotland. So I'm going for 21 all. What uh, what about yourself, Joe? Um, I've gone for my third draw out of my five predictions here in a Jesus. 17 all. 17 all draw. And Dylan? And if you think you're going to be laughed at, uh, I've gone for Scotland. 18 uh, 13. Oh. 18 13 to Scotland. I think what we've just decided there is that there's going to be no five wins from five <laughs> no not a chance um, again as always if you would like to compete and try to win a sideline cup beanie then go on to our Instagram have a look at our results they'll be up there shortly and pick your own results and send them into us and if your results are uh, are all correct you will win a sideline cup beanie yeah. remember to check us out across all of our social media at sideline underscore cut on twitter and instagram at the sideline cut on facebook and you can also email us on sport at the sideline cut.com yeah come here we're still looking for those funny stories my aunt is abroad at home on spotify playing it to the to the two cousins my funny story about baiting poor granny with the golf ball <laughs> so someone else could send in a funny story that uh, she could play to make him uh, yeah, so laugh in the take car take the attention off Dylan here and send yeah. us a few funny stories so we're, look, we're looking for your correspondence anyone with a funny story about them 
on a golf course, on a hurling field, playing soccer, in the stands, at a game, anything at all related to sport, anything that you think our listeners would enjoy enjoy hearing, yeah. send it in to us. If it's good enough, you get a prize. And we know we and we know ye have those stories. So send them <laughs> in to us. Get them in. Do get them in. Get them in. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Thanks very much. All the best. So. Mm-hmm.